0: welcome everybody to the second podcast from performance solutions finish to win i'm here with patrick stippock again the founder of performance solutions and our special guest today is cameron bryant who's joining us from austin texas Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the first episode with trevor tocaro we got some great feedback but we'd always love to hear more so please give us a comment um, subscribe to the feed let us know your thoughts for the future podcast down the road Um, Friendly reminder to check out Patrick's book, Finish to Win. Uh, you can find it at finishtowin.com and on Amazon. It's an ebook, kind of describing his experience with Formula Student and some managing practices and lessons learned there. So, without further ado, let's introduce our guest, Cameron. He's coming to us from Houston, Texas, right now. He was on the University of Kansas Formula Student team, co-captain for a couple years, and he's got Several different projects he's doing right now in engineering and racing, he's all over the board. But he's going to tell us his story, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. So Cameron, let's start with our mind map. We met several times at Michigan, briefly, at Formula SAE Michigan, here and there when our teams would intercross. But we really got to know each other last November. We went to the SuperNats together in Las Vegas. And you were there with Tyka Carding, a uh, new company you just founded. What are you doing with that? Yeah,
1: so uh, yeah, I started Tyka. Well, essentially I started this company five years ago. Uh, I've had a name change since then to Tyka Technologies, which is a mother company. But Tyka Carding is uh, just a branch off of Tyga Technologies and we're actually developing some carding parts, um, our own product line of carding parts and taking more of a engineering approach to developing carding parts and yeah, that's kind of where that all started was actually just our knowledge in tubulars and metallurgy and stuff like that. And kind of looking at it, we were looking for a big industry to start with for our first product instead of just doing consulting all the time and Carding happens to be the biggest racing industry there is. I mean, there's millions of cars compared to you know just a few hundred of cars in different series. So we decided to just kind of look at it for a while, and we realized there's a lot of things that we can improve on just taking a more
0: in-depth engineering approach to a lot of these products and stuff. Yeah, and, and the market, the carding market is so big. You were just in Germany last weekend. Um, doing some business. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep.
1: Talking to actually Mach 1 Carting. Uh, they're the biggest German cart manufacturer and yeah, working on doing a joint venture with them on providing like uh, specialty materials and axles and things like that for, um, cause obviously on a cart, there's no suspension. So your, your frame and your axle is actually your suspension. <laughs> um, that's your damper and your springs and everything. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's actually everything you learned in Formula SAE and everything you learned about vehicle dynamics engineering. Pretty much, just throw it out the window. <laughs> <'cause laughs> There's nothing,
0: nothing,
1: none of that works for karting. So it's actually been a really good learning experience um, for all the karting stuff, which is kind of funny because I, being from Formula, you know, we never really thought of karting as very like technical. We're just like, oh, you know, it's just a pop in it. But the more you dive into it, the more you realize like it's pretty intense, but.
2: Uh, can you describe the biggest difference between the approach? I know there is no suspension, but to make uh, some some specific thing.
1: A, uh, a funny, quick visual. If you are, you're a data guy, so if you watch a formula car go around a turn and the inside rear wheel picks up off the ground, what's your first reaction? You know, you're kind of like, oh, like that's not good, right? Like,
2: <laughs> yeah. It's opposite yeah. of
1: that in karting. Yeah. No, <laughs> if, if your you re- do- inside do- wheel doesn't pick up, you'll just push. (laughs) So it's, it's very weird getting used to seeing things that you definitely don't want to happen in like formula or other series. Um, you always want all four wheels on the ground, you know, get most contact and yeah, carding, you pretty much throw that out the window. You want your inside wheel to pick up off the ground. And, um, that's a very good, just visual of the extreme differences of the two.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, uh, because I mean, there's no there's no rear end, there's no differential, so if the tires are on the ground, the car can't really turn that well. So,
0: yep. um, Patrick, have you ever gone into like looked into the karting engineering and vehicle
2: dynamics of that before? Is that anything you've ever dealt with? No, no, yeah, just just the karting for fun. So nothing I can I can talk about. But I know this this thing, this technique, and I know that even drivers are. Are told to be uh, driving in different way than in the formula car. that you're trying to tilt the cart in the corner To to lift the, the inner wheel so yeah It's even about the driving technique which is great because you're connecting the, the, the driver is really the part of the of the card And he can or she can change the behavior a lot
0: Yeah, that's why I think it's kind of cool. How Cameron's bringing the, the Material science into it because the axle and the the chassis is so much of the handling characteristics of the cart, so it's, it's kind of a cool new approach that I think will pay off in the long run.
2: And what what is the dif- biggest difference between the, the, let's say, classic approach to the carting and yours yours one?
1: So when I first started this um, this carting thing, is it kind of just did it just to get a product out there and just work on you know the marketing and, and getting something out there to get our name out there just for our very first product. But after digging into it, I realized that Um, I think there's a lot of holes in the carding industry because things have been done for so long a certain way. And really, you have like three main companies, these big guys that kind of keep all the secrets to themselves. And everyone just kind of copies them based off of, you know, material hardness or things like that. And kind of like in the last episode you were talking about um, on the role center situation, right? People will just know the central equation. They'll do it. They don't know why or how, right? Well, I think that's how it is in carding is – they run it like this, and these teams win, so they copy them, and then that's just how it works. So something that's kind of crazy is I didn't know, but um, to adjust the axle stiffness, um, I bought a ton of axles from different companies and cut them up and did chemical tests on them. And Well, one of the things I thought was kind of crazy is I bought these axles from soft. Right? There's six different axles, you know, all the way from soft to extra hard, super soft to extra hard. I thought they are all going to come in and be – different wall thicknesses right i mean they're the same steel you think they'd be different geometry to get different stiffnesses um something i learned was they're actually the same geometry right so that's that was really strange is because in all steel you know to get your deflection it goes off your your elastic modulus right right so they started looking into it and you're like well how how does this even make sense you know maybe it's just a they just tell drivers it's you know, harder or softer and people buy them. It's a way to sell. I don't know, but talking to drivers, cause I have a lot of respect for drivers. Cause there's drivers out there that you can make one tiny change and they'll feel the difference. And so I knew that there's something going on in this axle. So after digging into it, which turned into a way more complicated thing than I ever thought would be in carding. But after looking into it, I don't think there's a lot of people in the carding world that really know why the axle is harder they just know that, oh, they run a hard axle and it does this or they run soft, but they don't know why, like how the axle changes um how you can have it harder. So after doing a lot of research, I actually found out that the grain structure of the material changes the dynamic stiffness or the modulus of resilience is a term that I don't think you'll ever hear <laughs> an engineer or like a race engineer talk about, but it's more of the metallurgy side. Stuff that we're familiar with on the consulting that I do in the oil field. And so taking that knowledge I brought it to the carding after I started digging into it, I realized, you know, shoot, I'm onto something here. I can actually calculate what my damping of my axle, the harmonics of my axle is based off grain size and heat treatment off your modulus of resilience. And then from there I can play around with, you know, selecting a perfect axle based on all these characteristics instead of just kind of shooting in the dark, you know, like uh, I need a soft. And then if you asked, if you ask a, Cart manufacturer, oh, what is your soft axle? They're like, well, it's, it's soft. You're like, okay, well, what, give me something I can relate this to. You know, like, do you base it off a deflection? Do you base it off harmonics? They're like, uh, it's soft. I'm like, well, I need, you know, there's no, there's no, like, technical information behind these axles. So that's where I really saw, like, I think there's an opportunity for us to take this into the carting world, you know, and actually apply in depth engineering back into carding and develop these parts and things like that. So, so it's kind of by accident <laughs> what started all this.
2: But well, it's great because you're changing the direction of sharing the knowledge from the motorsport to normal industry to make it opposite from the let's say heavy industry in oils to back to motorsport, which is not really usual. So it's it's very nice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's been different. <laughs> cool yeah. so we will come back to taika carding and taika technologies because we know that's just one branch under your umbrella of projects you're working on but let's start from the beginning let's get to your days at formula student at kansas tell us about your time being a co-captain and how long you spent and what your experience was like yeah so uh <clears throat> formula
1: student or formula SA has been a huge part of my life uh, I actually started on the team there at Kansas when I was in high school, actually. Uh,
0: really? really? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so it was funny because ever since, like, what, how it started actually was I was in seventh grade and the KU Formula team came to my junior high. And before that, I always wanted to be in the military. That was it, right? No no change in my mind, going to be in the military. Well, it all changed. Seventh grade, the KU Formula team came to our auditorium and gave this presentation about how there's these – University students have designed, build, and then raced this car, and it, like, changed my world. And I remember sitting there saying, like, this is crazy. Like, how <laughs> these kids are, like, building these cars, like, these small, like, at the time, you know, Formula One cars. They're, like, a smaller Formula One car. And I was just, remember, like, turning to my friend. I was like, one day I'm going to be on that team. He's like, oh, yeah, right, yeah, right. So, like, I was so determined. And I started taking, like, all these drafting classes and design classes and I took a bunch of art classes to keep that. So, you know, the other side of my brain in the creative side and um i remember actually my sophomore year of high school my dad signed me up for an engineering camp and i was so mad at him i was like (laughs) i don't want to go to this engineering camp and hang out with a bunch of engineers like to me it just sounded like the nerdiest thing in the world right for a week long hanging out with engineers like i'm from a small town in kansas like a farm town kind of yeah you were that (laughs) <laughs> so he's like well i don't care i paid for it so you're going i remember being so mad i was like i don't want to spend a week with a bunch of engineers right like this sucks well i went and kind of how it was, how it happened is i signed up for mechanical engineering well the teacher for the week that was taking us through all these mechanical engineering classes he was a biomechanical engineer or whatever so it's more like bones and stuff i was so disappointed i was like this sucks you know like i don't really care about bones and the human body like it doesn't inter- interest me at all well one of the days we did a tour of the formula shop and one of the guys was asking me how do you like the camp i was like well you know i'm learning about bones and i really care less and it <laughs> sucks and so they're like oh that sucks yeah well maybe we can get you out of this so at ku the associate dean of engineering was also the The advisor for the formula team well i guess they went and talked to him about me and he came in and pulled me out of the class so i spent the rest of the engineering kind of hanging out with the formula guys nice
0: well yeah
1: so they found out so i'm what i would have been 15 years old (laughs) so (laughs) Uh, yeah 15 yeah 15 years old and they found out that you know my dad owns a body shop and i've worked for him so i knew how to like restore cars and paint cars and they kind of saw an opening like oh we can use this 15 year old kid to help us paint our car <laughs> and <laughs> do our body work and all this stuff. Um, and so that's kind of how it started. And there was, at first there was a kind of unknown, like um, his name is Rob Storm, associate Dean. He had to look into the policy, see if they can even have someone that young work and for liability reasons. Yeah, sure. So everything was okay. And uh, that's what started it all off. And then I got hooked. And I mean, I was, skipping high school classes to go up to the formula team to (laughs) help (laughs) do body work on molds and lay up carbon and do all this stuff and uh, kind of from there just started every year I kind of took on more roles and started doing more and more stuff from you know just painting to making the molds to laying up the carbon to machining and yeah in high school I started working at machine shop so when that happened you know, the seniors on the formula team kind of said, Oh, here, make all these parts for us at your shop. And I was working at it. So it kind of just turned into every year I kept on acquiring a new <laughs> role and to the point where, you know, my last year, 2012, uh, I was co co-captain. So I was in charge of the car side and uh, there's a, a women in the school, a woman in the school that, uh, she was in charge of the business side, like business and finance and doing all that. And I was in charge of building the car and being on schedule and all of that. And yeah, so from, I guess it was 2000, the 2006 car to the 2012 car. So six years. <clears throat> and then after I was out of school, I still worked on the 2013 car. some here and there helping out. So it was a good six, seven years run. <laughs>
2: So we've impressive. got another we've got another dinosaur here. It's the same like a Trevor last time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's eight years, so you got like seven, so it's very similar to, to what we hear what we heard last time. So yeah. And and quite a lot of guys were surprised that Trevor was able to to be there in eight years. And oh, now wow. we've got another example here. So guys moved yeah. to America. <laughs> yeah,
1: there was, well, there's one one of the guys on the team that makes me look like a rookie it is Nick Roberts. I'm sure you've heard of him, Ryan. He's like a driver that's a really known driver in Formula SAE. He, he's super consistent. He's won national a few times, stuff. So, but he was on the team, I want to say, it's like 11 years or something. Oh, like oh he, he was on there for an extremely long time. That's awesome. Yeah, he went to the same thing. He was like getting his undergrad or whatever for five or six years and went and got his master's and then, I think it went back to his, like, PhD or something. Like, he <laughs> couldn't get enough of a formula car. But, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what started it all and stuff. And uh, Yeah. in 2012 was your most successful year. Is that right? Yeah. So, that was the first time we ever uh, – University of Kansas ever won a competition. So, we won a Lincoln competition. We also won the electric competition. Uh, and
0: we also won nationals, the SCCA nationals. That's right. Um, with the same car. So, I always thought that was interesting. You guys build your car for the SCCA Nationals, also, because yep. that's that's yeah, it's an interesting perspective. But a lot of teams in America do it, and uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense when you show up to Michigan and see some of those drastically looking cars. Yeah, yeah. That, it, it's good. Like I liked it, but it also hurt
1: us at competitions. You know, like at Michigan when they had that small course. Like our car is designed for high speeds. SCCA we race on the same you know course as like a Corvette so our car is built more robust and meant for that but then we go to Michigan and you know there's always had a really sharp um hairpin turn at the end there's some years that we couldn't even turn that hardly the driver had to like get the get the rear end of
0: the car to slide around to be able to make that turn Michigan is the biggest and fastest track of them all because when you go to Germany or Austria it's way more narrow it's way more curvy it's yeah those are even harder We go to Michigan. Well, when we went as GFR, we were always just amazed. Like this track is so wide open, (laughs) it it just didn't suit us. You guys should go to Lincoln. That's a fun. Yeah, I've seen seen videos of that one. Yeah.
2: We need to put these videos into the the, the description because I have never seen this competition. I know only for FSAE. I have never seen this. Yeah. The the,
0: the other couple. We'll have to watch a video later of Lincoln. Yeah, it's uh
1: because they do a autocross right after, so it's pretty open and pretty fast, and yeah, it's on like a abandoned airstrip. So you, I don't remember how many acres there are. I don't know, hundred some acres are just concrete, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: and uh, yeah, it's pretty wide open, It's pretty fun. But that's okay. what we built ours for.
0: Last point as we wrap up, the former student. <clears throat> um, have you changed since your FSE days? And is there something you would advise you would give to Cameron at the beginning of his FSA career? Um, yes, I'd say I definitely have changed. Uh,
1: I think looking back at my FS my career, um, <laughs> <laughs> a long yeah, a long seven year, six year, seven year career. Um, yeah, I would say definitely work. I should have worked more on, I wish I could tell myself, you know, work more on delegating tasks um, instead of when I was younger, you know, I take the bull by the horns and I get out of my way. I'll just do it. If you don't, you know, if you're going to complain about it or not going to do it right, I'll just do it. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is you can't do everything and causes you to have issues and other things like your education or your school, <laughs> your That's grades. Fun. Um which is part of the reason what happened to my school was because I tried to do everything. Um, if someone didn't do it right, or if someone was slacking, I would just push them out of the way and do it myself. You know, there'd be like me and a small group of like five guys that we always referred to as the A team and we would pretty much just build the whole car. Um, I wish I would have spent more time trying to build my people skills as far as back then. Um, how to encourage someone to do it and train them and teach them and have them work with you instead of just taking over. That's probably my biggest, yeah, I wish I could have told myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> might've, yeah, might've led into other things. I don't know if we want to get into this now, but uh, so if you talk about my school and how that all happened because of four Yeah, for
0: it. yeah we're on the topic. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So something a lot of people don't know is I actually didn't get my degree because of, I mean, formula, because of that, (laughs) exactly that. Um, I would take on too much, and essentially, my goal and what I got from school was I could learn way more on the formula team than I could in the classes, and I realized that, you know, um, anything I wanted to learn, I could teach myself and actually do it on the formula car, you know, and apply it and test it and trial and error, and so I spent so much time on this car and I if someone would to show up I would just take over their project and I would do it myself and we'd get it done and all for the pursuit of winning competition um in my last year 2012 <clears throat> when I was co-lead that's what we talked about you know at the very beginning of the season I said is does everyone here want to win or do you guys just want to build this car and just eh, maybe maybe show up to competition we'll just have fun and drink some beer and Go to school, maybe build this car. Everyone was on the same page. They want to win, right? I mean, that's the whole – that's what I feel the competition's about. It's about learning, but what do you learn if you don't try to be the best at it as well, right? Like try to learn and build this thing and try to be the top of your field what you're doing. Yeah. So everyone was on board, and, okay, yeah, everyone wants to win. I was like, okay, there's going to be times it's not going to be fun. You guys are probably going to hate me. You're probably going to hate other people on the team, and but we're all in it you know, we're all in it to win it, essentially, right? But um, well, what happened was that I spent so much time on the, so much time on the, Formula Car that I was slacking on homework. I just want to show up to class. Uh, really, I just show up for tests. So I'd cram the whole night before a test just to, you know, try to ace a test just so I can pull a D off in the class.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: you know, when they say D's get you degrees, uh, well, you you kind of need some other higher grades in there to balance your gpa out and uh so actually what happened is that my first in 2012 my first semester actually i kicked out of the school of engineering because my gpa fell below 2.5 so that was uh i got the nice little lovely letter in the mail said uh we regret to inform you but you have had you know kicked out of the school of engineering and so my grades were so bad i tried to apply for liberal arts and science and i did not get into that either (laughs) cause my GPA was as all the way down like a 2.0. And so I was pretty much, you know, like whatever, I'd still set determined to do this formula car and I didn't really care. And I was like, you know, I'm in it now. <laughs> uh, we definitely have to win now. And then, so I actually got back into, uh, the engineering school helped me get back into undecided engineering. And I was, you know, so I had to take a bunch of gen ed classes and I was doing good, Had my GPA up, you know, <laughs> so I could get back in there and, Came down to the very end where our finals were on the same week as competition. And I had three teachers and three like general education, gen ed classes, which is like philosophy 148, chem 121, and entry to statics or something. <laughs> or statistics, I think. Well, yes, statistics. And the teachers wouldn't let me reschedule my final. They wouldn't let me take it before or after. or They wouldn't let anyone proctorate, so I had to pick between take these three finals or go to competition when I was team lead, or co-lead, so I decided that I was going to competition, <laughs> and I ended up failing those three finals because I didn't take them, which made me fail the class, and I got a nice little lovely letter from the University of Kansas saying, we think you should seek your education elsewhere, and yeah, so those were definitely not my most... <laughs> definitely not the best years of my life <laughs> as far as <laughs> highlights. But from that though, which was nice, what came from that is um I learned more about engineering and product development and team building than I would have ever learned in any classroom. And also I learned a lot about myself and how that no matter how bad it gets <laughs> and how down you are, it always the only way to go from there is up. Oh, it can't get much worse, right? So Um, because I didn't get it, I didn't graduate, didn't get a degree. Um, I couldn't move. So I had a a deal set up with a company out of Canada, uh, an engineering company where I was doing product development and machining research and stuff like that. Well, because I didn't get a degree, I can no longer move up to Canada and get a visa. If you have an engineering degree, you can, it's like open border between the U S and Canada. So that fell through. So I couldn't go, go up there and, um, actually I have to give credit credit to my fiance. She was like, well, why don't you just, you know, start your own company and do consulting. You can do consulting. So, right. I was, you know, so then it kind of made me think, I was like, I always wanted my own company, but not right. Like the day after I get out of school, but right. college, yeah, in college. So I was like, well, so I had no idea how to do this. So I got how to start a business for dummies, Googling, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> what do I need to do to start this business? Uh, Pretty much just looking up anything I needed. Same way we do in Formula, right? Like in Formula Car, you don't go to a teacher and like, hey, how do I design this? You just get books or look on the internet or forms or you teach yourself. And yeah. that's essentially my only option I had when I started this company. Um, and that's why I explained to people, you know, there, there it was no backup plan for me. If my company, like, so June 16th was actually my five years for this, my company. And people were like, well, how'd you do it? You know, how'd you make it that long? And keep, or how do you keep on growing? And I was like, well, I don't have an option. <laughs> you know, like if this doesn't work, this is this is everything. So this is, I have to make it work. So yeah, I just taught myself how to start a business and how to run it. And once I did start doing consulting, I could go up to Canada whenever I wanted. And so it's kind of funny, right? You can't go there, but If you start your own company, you go up there whenever you want. Um, yeah. People started hearing about it and I started getting more and more clients and I, you know, brought on someone else uh, as a business partner and he started helping out and we just started growing from there and it went re- started going really well. And I always said, you know, like, well, I don't have an engineering degree, but I can always hire engineers, I guess. So
0: <laughs> 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 kind of where it started. But, yeah, yeah, so but it's the a, crazy, it's yeah. a crazy story, but, it's great inspiration and proof that you don't necessarily need that piece of paper that expensive expensive piece of paper from a <laughs> little receipt right? <laughs> yeah to be successful I think it's cool that you shared it
2: yeah, well I think we've got the great headline from this because this is a very strong story for everyone and I love it and we discussed this before we even started recording Cameron told me the story because I didn't know myself and I told the guys that I think that nowadays the skills are even more and more important than education, and I completely agree. And I cannot agree more that I I learned so many things in formal student, and if I can make some ratio between the school and formal student, it can be maybe even 90 to 10 for formal student, maybe even more because I think you guys will Completely agree with me that you learned everything about the business, you learned everything about the product development, about the materials, and you didn't stop with the computer screen right now, like right now, but you finished the product and you had to test it and you had to prove your engineering skills. And many times we didn't, so we had to solve the problem of the, of the broken part and build it in, uh, again within a very short period of time. Which is something uh, very valuable, and that's the reason we are hiring only the people from Formula Student. I think this is something we wanted to touch as well. So, yeah, this is the reason we we uh, bet on Formula Student from a long-term view, even in our companies, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, we're the same way. We only hire from Formula SA because of that reason, and uh, I think what's nice is like the industry is starting to realize that. You know, like the level of you know the level of caliber of engineers or even business majors or industrial design majors or people coming from formula sae like the level the caliber they're at is um a lot higher than someone that doesn't do formula SAE. actually we had uh do you know alan mulally he was the ceo of ford for a long time and he just retired a couple years ago um he visited ku sorry yeah go on Yeah. So he came by the formula shop, the KU formula shop, because he's actually alumni from the University of Kansas. And he said that formula SAE puts you two years ahead of the game. And that kind of always stuck with me because it's true, right? It kind of makes sense. Like you make all your mistakes and you do all your learning in school. So when you go out and work for someone, you've already been there. You've actually made something and tested it and broke it and fixed it. And and uh, it was cool hearing that from someone as big as him right like a CEO of Ford for several years
2: Like it's kind of crazy that even they recognize it. So
0: yeah, that's cool
2: Yeah, yeah that's and cool. I got another story like this from trigger public just to compare we got a Business partner, let's say in Trigger republic. It's a company. They've called Ray service making wiring looms for uh, military and motorsport and whatever and the owner of the business told me that once they are investing in formal student, they know that they can get person which is or who is ready to start a position. They don't need to teach him or her anything because the person is ready to work full time, uh, full potential from the very first day that he or she is in the in the position. But if you use normal guy from with a general university experience. They need to invest a lot of money into him or her because they need to teach him or her a lot of things, mainly the skills, and sometimes only pick up the phone and solve the problem, which is something very weird. But we are ashamed, maybe from the beginning, to pick up the phone and then solve the problem. But in the former student, you have to do it. And this is the biggest difference between the normal guy who goes to the university. And there's nothing wrong about it. I, they can do it like this, but yeah, you're absolutely right that two, two years it can be the the number <laughs> to, to describe yeah. this difference, maybe even more.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we can move on. Cameron, if you want to kind of explain what you're doing today after after your university experience. Kind of explain your the different hats that you wear, so to say. literally
1: (laughs) um yeah so we started i started the company right you know as soon as the competition was over uh back in 2012 um got all my paperwork in june 16th from there just kind of started off doing consulting um consulting is a good way to you know keep overhead down and be able to bring money in and build a name and so that's where it all started with just consulting, and um, kind of fell into the product development. I think that's kind of where my strong suit is: is thinking of an idea, developing and designing it, manufacturing it, getting the process down, marketing, sales, the full product development side. So our company grew. I like, grew from there. Then I got you know drugged into some of this oil field stuff and started doing more consulting in oil field. And then um, actually did some military stuff for a while and designed some guns, some pretty cool guns and things like that. And um and then that's kind of where i realized that's what i want this company to be it's just a big engineering house engineering firm innovative engineering firm pretty much in everything from racing to medical military oil field and just have several different groups that focus in that one group they're in like if you're an oil you know you have a group of oil guys but then you can work with a group of racing guys and you share knowledge, you know, back and forth from the t- industries, you know, and that's where my company's at now is uh, Taika Technologies is the mother company and we have branches of that. And, um, and it's all just for the pursuit of this innovative engineering firm. Um, kind of like we talked about before, like Pratt & Miller. Um, that's a company I think really highly of and um, I really would like to focus and try to go down the route like they have. Um, and essentially they do everything like that too. They go, they build the Corvette cars, the Cadillac, you know, Le Mans cars. And they also do military and medical. And they even do restoration <laughs> for old classic cars there, which a lot of people don't know, but yeah, they have a restoration division. It's pretty cool. So that's exactly the same route that I want to do with my company. And um, we're growing now. So hired some, yeah, some engineers on staff and, um, a guy actually from UTA, um, the formula team there, he's a vehicle dynamics guy. And so he's helping me do product development, but he's getting drugged over into the oil field stuff as well, just because that's how we're, you know, being in yeah. formula, you can think quick on your feet and boom. So yeah, I'm starting to bring him over in the formula. I mean, it's the oil field stuff as well. And, um, yeah. And so that's essentially what. Type of Technologies is, is, is and just how big you simple. are right now.
2: How many employees do you have? So right now I only have one
1: full time. That's me and another guy, and then but then I have consultants that work part time here and there. So you know there's four of us in the company, um, and then, um, well, I guess technically three guys. Sorry, the other business owner, and so I took on an investor, and so there's me and then an investor, and then another guy. So technically there's three of us actually in the company and then we have two other two other consultants that they do about 20 to 30 hours a week um, helping out on different things oil field and racing so so we're getting there but yeah,
2: Ryan Ryan described you to me that you're very similar to to our case and yeah this is very similar to our company right now like yeah. full-time or maybe two full-time and the same person, just from two different countries <laughs> can, can you repeat it please I, I didn't hear
0: I said, you guys are the same person, just from two different countries.
2: You're both,
0: you're both doing big things. It's cool.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm buying tickets to Houston and flying there soon. <laughs> you
1: should. It's funny. That's actually how uh, Ryan and I met. Was that I was looking at hiring him. So <laughs> we met in uh, Vegas at the super the the cart supernets. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and at that time I was still like ramping up and getting in place and all that. So. Um, we we're looking at him coming on like at the beginning of the year, but then he got his like dream job offer. So I was like, I can't compete with that, you know. I can't I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But yeah, that's actually how we met. Was I was looking at bringing him on board.
2: That's yeah. funny. That's funny because Ryan can describe how we met. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, similar situation. Yeah, <laughs> getting
2: hired and get to the Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. It's very interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah, cool. All right. Well, we can keep moving on through our list here. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I.
1: Sorry to, I forgot to to mention we FSA parts. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even bring that into Tyco, but yeah,
0: yeah. That's, that's we run, true. run the entire FSA parts page. Just got a massive following. Yeah. Um, and a massive product site also that I didn't even realize how big it was. <laughs> until last weekend. <laughs> Uh, I knew it was big, but that blew me away. If you guys haven't been to fsaparts.com, go to it. It's crazy.
2: Exactly. I opened the webpage after a long time and it's huge. You (laughs) exploit
1: Yeah, Yeah. So, yeah, that's all, you know, just a branch of Taika as well. Uh, Now, branch of Taika. So, yeah. So, we got three guys, three people in that, uh, helping out with that. But, here in the same thing, not full time on obviously FSA parts, but just everyone working to that's what FSA parts is. Like, uh, people think I'm crazy or they don't know why I do it because I don't try to make money off of it, right? I just pass on savings. They, why do you waste your time? Well, it's, it's all for the pursuit of this bigger goal, right? But yeah, I mean, and also it's a really good way to network with people that I would like to hire <laughs> in my company. So I have access to, you know, 11,000 people. And I can send out (laughs) one email and access 11,000 or, you know, one post on Instagram and access almost, you know, 11,000 people that potentially I could hire, you know, who are involved in Formula SAE or things like that. So it's a good way to network. And also I help out a lot of these students, you know, students will contact me and ask me, do you know anyone hiring in this field? And with all my connections, all my what I do for my consulting, I just call them up, say, hey, I have someone looking for a job. And I kind of connect them kind of like a headhunter, essentially, and vice versa of uh, companies ask me, do you know anyone hire you know, anyone looking for a job that knows this, this and this and so that's what I use FSA parts for to give back to what you know formula student is and what it does for everyone. Essentially what I just give back and help that's students great. find parts. So.
2: Yeah, same same mindset. I can feel the same mindset yeah. here. <laughs> same with the podcasting is the connecting the formula student world with the professional guys and find the world and show the world that the guys from Formostin are probably the best one to hire yep. and honestly it's a great thing even for us already that I've got some contacts from Formostin Student that they want or the guys want to work for us. For example, yesterday I had a great meeting with a guy from Greece. The Greek guy, Alex, um, he's amazing, he's doing a lot of things and he's pretty busy with the car and, and getting ready for the competition this year and he is really on top of the knowledge. He is much further than I was in my time (laughs) in in Formula Student, which is great, of course. He's working with uh, proper lap time and the moment Diagram, like on really usable level, which is great. And he wants to work for us. You know, and and he he can decide if he wants to work for Formula One team or for another bigger company like Optimum G or I don't know, it doesn't matter. And he wants to work for us. So I I feel the same same mindset as you're trying to to develop the, the community, the network, to build the, the follow-up of the company and show them that we can do things a little bit differently than the rest of the industry. And we can do what we want to do. That's, I think, the biggest biggest message that we are we are enjoying every moment in the world, even though it's difficult and tough. We're doing what we want to do, and we, we have the whole picture. You know, in comparison with the Formula One team, you're probably very focused on one thing. Yeah. But in such a small company like we are, and I guess that is it's very similar in your companies that you know about everything, like, you know, every single position, you, the guy can do whatever, either racing or oil industry. Yep. Yeah. So Cameron, how do you choose to prioritize between
0: your different companies? And what do you do on a daily basis, maybe any habits or daily operations that might influence that that process? Yeah, well, as a,
1: you know, small
0: company that's starting
1: up, essentially, you know, it kind of comes down to uh, as bad as it sounds is money. You know, we need to, <laughs> prior to, you know, think about, you know, I guess what pays the bills. Yeah, that's the best. Priority is, <laughs> the priority is to make, make money so we can keep on doing this tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So um, that's why it's nice that you know the consulting that I do, a lot of like the only consulting I do now because I've been trying to pull away from consulting and do more product development stuff so I can really focus on what I truly believe in instead of what some other guy believes in and he just wants to pay me for his his goals yeah. and dreams. So I've been pulling away from consulting, but I still do consulting in the oil field just because the money situation. So when it comes to priority, um, I would say first and foremost is I got to put food on the table. So if I have a really big project in the oil field, I know it pays well. Um, I put me and the guys on that um, to get it done quickly and do it right. And even what we'll do sometimes is try to get it done quickly like uh, or certain stages of it done quicker, so then we can focus on we can switch you know direction and focus on our racing side or our products that we're developing from you know rear ends to uh, axles for go karts to drive composite. We're doing a composite drive shaft uh, design right now that we're trying to <laughs> actually try to submit this thing into SEMA for the young guns like uh, design thing. So really? We're trying to get all this to, yeah we're trying to get all this together for the SEMA show in Vegas. But
0: um, so
1: it's how i and then fsa parts comes in that too so the priority first and foremost is you know i got to make money to pay the guys but then after that it's i still need to take care of fsa parts even though you know i don't all the money that i make in that like the little money i make in fsa parts just stays in fsa parts so then i can take that and help sponsor teams or pay for you know help help teams out sometimes teams have issues with shipping and i'll just pay for shipping to sponsor them so even though i don't make any money off that it's still very important to me so and my guys know that too so but that tends to be like a next priority you know because we have to focus on our money and then we have to focus on our own products that will generate us money and our products are what our ultimate goal is yeah so then from there then we go you know fsa parts and we try to fit fsa parts in a little bit all day long, you know, um, a few minutes here, a few minutes there, you kind of sneak it in um, where you can. But yeah, so yeah, as far as long as,
0: as, you, that, as long as you keep the Instagram page rolling, I think I think you'll be good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, we try. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I think that's you know kind of how I set my priorities. I guess is just essentially you know, just you know, we don't worry about putting food on the table. So
2: yeah yep. <laughs> anything you're you're doing every day the same you're trying to have some routine in you know deciding what to do first in the morning and or you just said it that you're just trying to find any minute to to do the FSA parts, but I, I could imagine that you got some specific day or or hour per day that you have a window to do the f s a e parts and then focus on the rest of the work yeah so so.
1: First thing in the morning, so I have like, I don't even know, I was trying to think of it, like eight emails or something. Because every client I have, I have a personal email with them as well. And then every, you know, I have type email and Taika carding and then FSA parts and then my personal FSA part. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in the morning before things get crazy, I try to sit down and do all my email, like emails first right before because if I try to do it at the end of the day I'm so done with everything and the day is worn on me I'm the last thing I going to do is sit down and read emails so yeah. I try to wake up go through my eight different emails I have and yeah. <laughs> try to organize them and respond to who I need to and things like that and then from there I sit down you know I mean I have I don't know if you guys heard of teamwork it's a I highly recommended it. it's a good way to do like project management and you can have Gantt charts and things like that. Um, In teamwork. I have each of my companies set up in there as a company and I have tasks and priorities and then I can assign duties and tasks to different people in my company. And so then every day I log on to teamwork and I see, okay, what's due today? You know, or is there any project that's due today or any projects due next week or highest priority? Um, And then, so I pretty much do that. And I, every single day I kind of brief myself you know what needs to be done today and at the end of every day i kind of put notes into teamwork saying look at this first thing tomorrow you know kind of setting myself up to keep me organized um and then fsa parts kind of falls in in between the cracks and usually at lunch it's a good way for um me kind of just to unwind a little bit scroll through instagram comment make a post or something like that um so during lunch FSA parts and then also usually in bed is FSA parts (laughs) when I'm in bed about to go to sleep I answer emails on FSA parts and I'll make posts and comp have to do a lot of liking (laughs) to get the word out there you have a lot a lot like a lot of posts on FSA parts like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them so there's a lot of doing that just scrolling through people's, you know, people that follow me or, you know, people I'm trying to get to follow me and people interested in like formula one, I go to their page and I like their stuff so they can see my page. I do a lot of that stuff at night, you know, right before I go to sleep. Um, and then our products, our own products kind of fall in anywhere in between there. If we're, you know, waiting, like if I shoot an email over, if I'm waiting on a part to be made or something like that, To continue an oil product um oil field product then i put my guys on the racing side of it and we're developing our product things like this so um like like right now we've been working on this big project here in the shop we're making a harmonics machine harmonic fatigue machine and it's been taking you know all of our all of our guys last month developing this thing and it's kind of cool as we actually uh this thing's for the oil field and it's doing harmonic testing on connections you know uh, premium connections and instead of like uh, when you test a connection you have to like bend it back and forth several times you know to certify it well if you can think of a cylinder pushing on this thing a million times it would take forever you know if you had a cylinder just bending this thing back take forever so what we are making is this machine that has a counterweight on one side and actually shakes it like a jump rope so you can do a million cy- like a million cycles in 8 hours essentially um, but something we're doing different that no one else in the industry does because there's only like four of these machines in the world or something like that there's not very many of them but everyone uses industrial stuff so very old school um, analog big boxes from you know big data acquisition boxes that take up a whole bio cabinet and all this well we actually decided to take a motex system cuz i have a good good friend of mine that works at Motec and I talked to him, I was like, Do you think you have a MoTec that could run, you know, like twenty strain gauges and all that? He looked into he's like, oh yeah, you know, our the highest MoTeC, the L L one eighty, I think it is. I was trying to see if it was lay on my desk. And <laughs> so we're actually we're actually uh running this whole machine based off of automotive stuff. So there's another example of taking what we learned in the automotive industry, you know, the racing industry and applying it to the industry. So it's, now it's the other way that I'm going. Cause I <laughs> Everyone else has these huge cabinets, like as tall as you, and all these wires, and it looks like a monstrosity. And Our Motex box is like that big. and <laughs> just sits on the wall, and we have a couple wires coming out of it because we actually worked with, like, Sense Texy Sensors. Uh, Pierre, I don't know if, you got, if you've got, ever met him, but he's a great guy, and he helped us out. So he has a, a converter, so you can take your strain gauges into a, a converter, so it's analog to can.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so you can have eight... Eight string gauges into this box and then you just have two wires coming off so all you see is like two wires opposed to you know 20 or i guess each string gauge has five wires yeah and, right. right yeah so you can put 20 string gauges this thing and you only have two wires going into this tiny little like DAC like wow. mo box
2: yeah, yeah and
1: we can put you know pressure sensors on there you can do temperature you have emergency Whenever you want
2: shut-off. to log in the racing car you can put it there so yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of cool, and then we're all we're running it off a of moteg <laughs> instead of a big industrial data acquisition system. So it's kind of interesting and different, but,
2: but yeah, it's just think out of the box and not just stay in the normal lines as they're used to. So and it's great. It's crazy how how simple it can be sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's a. Uh, that's been a priority, though. So, I guess our priorities change because our priority right now is getting this machine up and going. But so it kind of changes depending on the project. But.
2: Yeah,
0: no, it sounds cool. Okay, moving on to our next point. We'll kind of turn back towards motorsports here. What is something within motorsports that you personally believe in, and what would you like to change about the industry today? <coughs> yes, yeah, so, I guess something I've
1: personally believe in in motorsports is uh i think motorsports like kind of something that you know i was i was kind of looking at taking notes on i was like in motorsports like if you think about the days like in the late 60s you know the whole Le Mans battle when Mans was like the biggest race in the world right and you get these guys that design these cars there was no glass ceiling essentially right it was do whatever it takes to have the fastest car um In the world and i feel kind of that's why i kind of think motorsports was i mean i'd like to think motorsports we get a lot more out of it than just some guy hopping in a car and going fast i think motorsports is a good place that there's no really there's risk don't get me wrong but it's for an individual or a couple individual guys so that you have more freedom to do the craziest things in the world and try all these crazy things and help progress ingenuity and innovation and um also having a lot of fun doing it <laughs> and yeah. so i think i think i believe that's what racing you know i believe that's what racing should be is always the pursuit of perfection and innovation and progressing our knowledge forward of engineering and what we can do as humans as a human race and um and i think a lot of that stuff you learn there does go into other industries um but the thing that you asked you know what what i'd like to see change is i feel like now we're getting to this point where everyone gets so politically correct or everyone gets so worried about this and you have all these limitations placed on motorsports like even f1 last year you had all the drivers getting mad because the f1 cars we're almost the same speed as F yeah. two. Right? They're like, what's the point? Like why am I even do like why am I even doing this? Yeah. And so drivers were getting upset that they're putting all these caps on these F one's the top, you know, the top of the top, and you're putting all these limitations on them to go slower, to make to slow the cars down, to take, you know, ingenuity out of them. And it just to me I think that's that's something that bothers me and I'd like to see change in racing is go back to the days kinda of like the wild, wild west, you know, the wild west whereas <laughs> Back in the late 60s, the Le Mans, where you do whatever it takes to be the fastest. You have all the, you know, the sky's the limit. And be safe along the way, too. But don't cap them as much. And that's something, I mean, I could be way wrong. This is just my opinion. It might not be that way. But when you look at all these racing series from NASCAR to IndyCar to F1, there's so many limitations on these cars. And I think it's more now generated towards how much money can the guy that owns that, series make right yeah um and i think that's something that bothers me in nascar it's all about now people and how much money you can generate
0: um and i don't know i think we still have that level of innovation it's just being slowed down a lot by the economics of the business I, yeah. it's kind of where we're at today it's so competitive and f1 can throw an unlimited amount of money at it that it at that point it wouldn't be a sport it would just be an engineering display but yeah i totally know what you mean i totally agree racing should always be about moving forward and innovating yeah yeah it's yeah, tough to really to draw that line though yeah,
2: yeah. But we we are making limitations in the regulations to cut the cost of the of the development but you know the money are always there yeah. So, once the team or the company got the money, they will put in in something a little bit different. You, 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 I know you deny the wind tunnels, so they put in more in the CFD yeah. and other way around. So the money are always there, and and we're taking a look on the regulations mainly from the from the cost reduction, which is at the end of the day nonsense because the money always flows in the competition. Yeah. Um, so it's, I, I understand it, but because we, we put so many papers in the regulations and the regulations are getting bigger and bigger. It's so difficult to get into the, the regulation and make some organization and then make some sense out of it. So maybe it will be better to put everything on the side and from, start from the scratch. But from the political point of view, it's probably not possible or very difficult to do so but where are we going to
0: be 50 years from now are we going to look back on 2017 and say man they had it great back then look at all the innovation <laughs> going on you know, like it's crazy to think about because you never know if it's going to keep slowing down at this rate you know, yeah. or how we can open it back up again It'll pro- i don't know
2: well interesting thing is that that we we had a webinar today with our tech customer the rally driver philip marish and we're trying to teach him the, a little bit of engineering. And we explained the um, non suspended mass, the importance of making the non suspending mass uh, very light. And then we showed him the regulation from R5 because he's a road driver. And uh, the category R5 with uh, M Sport, Fiesta, and mainly Skoda, R5, uh, R5 they've got a limitation of the, we- uh, of the weight of the upright. It's, uh, I think, five kilos. And then that was the point that we we explained to him that this is makes this makes sense maybe to make something uh, regulated at the weight, but at the end of the day the rest you know the accessories of the upright are specially machined to make it as slight as possible that the whole uh, accessories of the main upright is much more expensive than the upright itself, or for example the the um, uh, bearings in the upright they are limited by the price and these bearings are not good enough so they need to change them all the time so they did de- at the end of the day it's much more expensive than to go with a proper racing bearing so you know it's I understand what what you both trying to say and uh, I don't want to be all the best but it's it's really difficult to to do a good regulation to cut the cost and um, Make the innovation coming into the competition, but I think that more limitations is more and more difficult to make the the logic behind the regulations. That's something I I believe.
1: Yeah, I think you even start to see it like at the lower level. You know, like Formula Student, for example. Like when I I was over there on my trip in Germany for a week, I visited a bunch of Formula teams and. uh, kind of talked about how we did that we did a lot of autocrosses at kansas and all these teams were really jealous and i found more out about like formula student germany like it's a great competition like it's very well ran but i heard also like formula student germany they, they you can't do any racing outside of formula student you know there's no autocrosses you can't do hill climbs you can't do this like
0: you're not supposed
1: to you're not supposed to or you can't <laughs> do it yeah and <laughs> <laughs> That's something that bothers me because so, it, you're a driver, Ryan. When you get in the car, if I give you a car, like your guys' car, GFR's car, and you wanted to do a hill climb, how do you feel about that? You're a driver. coming from a, Not coming from anyone else, not political, not anything else, from a driver himself, how do you feel about taking your car and doing a
0: hill climb? Well, sure, it'd be a blast. I'd have to make sure I trust <laughs> the engineers on my team, the cars wait, ready wait. for a hill climb. But uh, other than that, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, because that's what you do, right? That's what. That's, a, that's why you get in the car, right? It's That's what you love doing. You love getting in the car and driving it and doing it. That. It just happens to be at the university. Same thing with autocrosses. A hill climb and autocross, It's all sanctioned events for the pursuit of this <laughs> racing spirit and yeah, you know drilling junkies and getting in the car and racing and like think about it these cars that we're building formula student and formula se most of them are going to be way better off than the cars that are built in these garages that we're competing against
0: right yeah. like the chances of, of these from cars you know that. definitely from a performance standpoint i just know that the the safety is always in the back of their heads and i don't blame them because you know yeah, a lot of things can go wrong on Formula Student cars, for sure. For sure. Yeah, but I think like if, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like
1: telling you know, like I was talking about capping this thing for these students. Like, I don't know. To me, you're missing out on like at Kansas. We did a ton of autocrosses, and if we tried to show yeah. the Formula Student Germany and they said we couldn't do it, that'd be bogus because what what could go wrong in autocross? Spin out, hit a cone. Okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah. You know, like. And you can't do that, even though it's a sanction. They're probably actually autocrosses are probably ran way better, anyways, as you know, Formula C or Formula Student events. These guys do this every single weekend. Yeah, they're safe. They're you know, and I think that's part of the thing. You know, even at the lower levels, you start seeing these. I think just these crazy, you know, limitations that you get put on this stuff. Like, and also like if you know, the last uh, episode you guys were talking about, you know all these drivers get in the car they're not professionals well if you're saying you can't ever drive <laughs> how can be the professional you, right? yeah. yeah you do three competitions okay yeah. I, have, I have three competitions under my belt <laughs> like, yeah and I
2: experience in for my student world <laughs> yeah. so that's that's what's crazy
1: is like uh, yeah you have all these limitations and that's something I think I'd like to see change as well say you know If you pass tech inspection or if you go to a competition, you can do an autocross. You know, if your car is safe and sound, why can't you do an autocross? Go climbs, okay, I understand, like, but maybe you have a caliber, like, hey, your car is actually a race car, and you actually have a driver that's didn't work on the car that, like, I hate when, you know, teams will be like, oh, who's working on the car the most? Oh, okay, he's the driver, you know? If you actually have a guy that's a driver and have a car that's past tech and sound, like, up to the driver at that point i think i don't know
2: but. yeah i've got two things to to say here one is yeah to to make the drivers better and the other uh even the Student is about the money and you yeah. need to put the money into the competition and once you got some uh external company funding the project or sponsoring it partly you need or you want to show them the car is running and for example they can have a open days of their company and once they're you know, they're putting the money into the car and you're driving in Germany and the the, the, comp- the company is somewhere in the Republic and they don't have the time to, to go there to see yeah. you in the Germany. And maybe they've got their network, you know, their, their business uh, customers or partners, whatever. They want to see the car. And once you prepare the, the parking lot and just drive there and make some donuts, I know a little bit of show, I yeah. cannot understand why we shouldn't do it. Once, you know, we've got some of your common sense that you're safe enough and you're dealing with, with the businesses and, and, and uh, adult guy, so why not? Yeah. Uh, yeah so that's my point. I think it's just something that they don't want to
0: promote because they can't be responsible for us off, you know, off the grounds or doing whatever we are. They're just, yeah, I think it's normal they have to say that, but I think it's it's fine if schools do that for their purposes, you yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we, we can finish this this part of the <laughs> discussion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting, though. I, I think about it pretty often, too. Yeah. Uh, okay, so our last point. We'll end on an inspirational note. Cameron, when you think of the word successful, who is the first person that comes to your mind and why? Oh, that's, that's a tough question.
1: I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> I feel like successful i feel like i pull a lot of different people uh, you know i take a lot of different people's success and use that as fuel for me and inspiration and it's hard for me to say
0: you know i feel that's a hard we I don't, don't know, have I, to we don't have to pick a, a particular person we could yeah. go back to your pratt miller example that's kind of a company that you're aspiring to be like yeah 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 and then yeah i think that's yeah pratt miller would be a good one like a
1: company as a whole you know and i mean there's obviously people in the industry that we all look up to you know i mean but that's a i don't have to say those people you know from yeah. ferrari to all those. i mean like yeah carol shelby all those guys i mean we all have those guys that we look up to but um outside that yeah i mean pratt miller yeah they'd be a good as a company it's an inspiration what those guys do is cool cool company and
2: well, just to just to explain why we are asking these questions to our audience, once you've got the role model in front of you, you can copy and get inspired and you can follow and then make some innovation and be a little bit different. But it's always great to to learn from these people and and to study their history and maybe read the books about them. Yeah. Uh, talking about the, the industry leaders, even as we mentioned Elon Musk last time, yeah. it's not about that we want to talk about Elon all the time, but this is a guy who made something or the, the, the company you're talking about, they are guys who do, who are doing something you want to do and it can be the role modeling of your company or your, your uh, daily habits to get there because you need to have a path to follow or to, to, to have a path to build. Yep. and I think the combination of both can be the great way how to be not maybe not mainly successful but happy with your life. So I would say that this is the reason we're asking this question.
1: Yeah, that's good. I mean yeah, that's a good point.
2: Yeah, so I mean I think
1: I, several people like Elon Musk and all those guys that there I've read their books, you know, and I think I, it's always good to like what you talked about last time too is try to do try to learn all the time. So I spend a lot of time like listening to audiobooks. Um, just try to improve myself. You know, from uh, I don't know if you guys uh, how to win friends and influence people mm-hmm. by Dale Carnegie. Have you ever heard of that?
2: No, no, no. But uh, oh,
1: that's a great. That's heard a heard. really good book. Like everyone should like. <laughs>
2: I don't get any money for saying this,
1: but I'm not promoting it. <laughs> <I'm just
0: laughs>
1: it's a really good book. Like, that's the
0: only book you can promote on this podcast is Finish to Win, Cameron.
2: That's a really good book, too. <laughs> so. Now, what we, we, uh, we want to, to tell guys what to read. For example, last time I told it uh, Ryan yesterday when we were on Skype that Trevor uh, talked about the Buddha, the art of racing in the rain. Yeah, the book written from the dog position and I was like wow, this is really weird I need to read So last last week when we went to Amsterdam with my wife I read it throughout the weekend from the, you know, cover to cover and it was amazing and I thought that, that Trevor was talking about some real experience for, for the racing driver how to racing But honestly, it was a very sad story about the wife of the driver Uh, It was like a huge Fatal tragedy of the life But you know the the metaphor of the race um, the art of racing in the in the rain that you can be depressed You can have the hard times and you can go from the from the rain You know like like from with with your head up and and uh, it can be it can have a happy end and Part of that was that the, the guy was a racing driver. So he explained a little bit about even the racing in the in the rain but yeah this is something i would never found i think without the trevor and it's a great thing to network with you guys that you can you can uh, talk about some books you read because it's always inspirational to to share these books because you know there are tons of and a lot of them are good and we don't know them so it's, that's another reason we're not promoting here. Anyway, we, we put in a link on our website, and if you want to buy it, just buy it on Amazon. Great. Yeah. We've got an affiliate link there. Of course, we can make some money on that, but it's not the, the point. The point is to share this idea, and maybe you've got some inspiration from this book, and we can help the other guys from Forma from from Student that the main decision is to go to the competition, just grab the engineering degree and make a company, you know, this can be the, the way how to inspire them and it can yeah. be the great way even though it's not easy.
1: Yeah, I mean I got tons of, to, but I like instead of listening to the radio, you know, when I'm in my truck, yeah, we have trucks, Texas, you know, it's a nice thing that Europe doesn't have, but um, <laughs> but when I'm, in my, when I'm in my truck, I usually listen to uh, audio books, you know, audible. You pay like monthly, like $9 a month and you get a free book a month. But, uh, yeah. you know, being a business owner, uh, one that's a lot of help is that how to win friends and influence people. And it's a classic. It's like majority of the people will tell you to read that but by Dale Carnegie. And it's, it goes over just how to handle people in different situations and how to better yourself. And, then, you know, it kind of goes over like um, it's all on you. You know, if your team's not functioning, it's on you right? It's your job. That's your duty to figure out how your team works and stuff. And it's, I wish I would have read that book before <laughs> I was a co-captain on the, K- the formula team, <laughs> but cause that would have helped out a lot. Um, but also even like uh, a sales book, I listened to Zig Ziglar's secret of uh, closing the this, uh, sale. And no matter what you do in life, you're always selling stuff. Even if you're not a salesperson, right? You always had to convince people something, Um, and that Zig Ziglar, he's obviously, I don't know if you heard of him, but he's the, he's the king of sales. Like he is the guy and it's a really good book. And it's just about, you know, how to get your point across and how to get people to think differently when you're giving them a pitch and goes into being, you know, no one wants to be sold to, you know, no one, you don't like, no one wants to be sold to they get annoyed by it. They want to come to the conclusion themselves that they want to buy from you. And that's what this book kind of goes on. And it's it's, real, it's a really good book just uh, from selling yourself or selling a product or just everyday life. It's a good book. And then also uh, one more I, I just finished up was uh, Extreme Ownership. And it's just uh, actually these Navy SEALs. Um, they were like, you know, the Navy SEALs, and they talk about situations they had in war and what they had to do under high stress situations. And they actually compare that to situations in the business. And that's what they do now. They're consultants and they help businesses change and run smoothly and better and stuff like that. And yeah. So, I mean, I would say always try to improve yourself. Like self, like self-help books and things like that. Try to do at least once a day. That's what I always do. Um, Instead of listening to the radio in the car, driving is a perfect especially like you know ryan talking to you you have an hour every day or two hours every day hour each way i
0: know know,
1: it's a good things like that you know it's a good way to pass time and you're learning while you're just sitting in a car for an hour each way so that's what i always try to do
2: and listen to our podcast on the way it's good guys
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, maybe i'll look into an audible account here soon yeah that'd be awesome (laughs)
2: Yeah, I, I tried it. I tried it before, audio, and, but I, I don't know. I just went off it and wanted to cancel the subscription because I didn't want to get the money only in the, and don't use it because I had a lot of podcasts I was listening to, and I prefer it. And then to read the book, I need to combine somehow. But, yeah, it's a great way how to use the, the traveling time because even when, when I'm traveling, and I was traveling, and I've been traveling a lot and flying all over the world, it's a great way you know how to get inspired and to learn something and i what i learned from this person is that you need to keep growing you need to keep learning and that's the way how to how to improve all the time because it's not about the the getting the degree and then stuck at the position you are but you need to grow all the time and i think this is a very common thing within the successful people that they're keep growing and keep learning and and maybe failing and learning from the mistake, yep. but still, still growing. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's,
1: I feel it's always hard too to find time to just sit down and read. <laughs> you know, so that's why I, audiobooks well, are like I don't know.
2: I've got it. I've got it in my in my uh, calendar. I yep. just prepare the weekly weekly sessions a day. I've got read the book. Read the book. Like yeah. <laughs> from eight to nine, or I don't know something like that. In night, just read yep. the book at least for one hour. Turn the okay. phone into the airplane, forget the world, and, and read something. Nice. Just remember, remember the Warren Buffett. He's famous for reading all the day. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good all thing.
0: right. Well, I think we can wrap up this podcast. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought that was fun. Hope everyone watching enjoyed it also. Thank you, Cameron, for joining us. And Patrick yeah, for always as well. Cameron. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yep. Remember to check out the Finish to Win website, the Finish to Win book, and the Performance Solutions website. You guys have a lot of cool stuff on there. So without further ado, I think we will sign off and we look forward to seeing everybody the next time. Yep, thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you, guys. Take care, Kim. See you. Yep, see you.